Hello everybody and welcome back to the Glory Glory Podcast. I'm your host as always, Kyle Quinn. And joining me today is Brush, who's, who's back on again with me today. Um, how's it going, Brush? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Yourself? I, I'm alright, I'm alright. I'm not doing too bad. Um, we haven't had a United game for about 10 or 11 days, so that's certainly made life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, ra- rather relaxing, eh? <laughs> yeah, nothing to ruin our, our weekend or anything like that. Especially when you see uh, Arsenal's recent troubles as well. I'm just like, phew. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I've been a total collapse by Arsenal. Um, looks like Spurs are kneeled on for fourth spot now. Um, I mean, they would have to really spurs this up to not get fourth now. Yeah, away to Norwich. Surely they can't mess that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the only thing, <laughs> it would it would take something like the last time it happened when they had to play West Ham on the last uh, game of the day um, and the food poisoning thing broke out. <laughs> it would yeah. have to be something extraordinary like that. Yeah, it really would. Well, you never know what could happen. There could be a, a national chef working at the Spurs Hotel <laughs> in Norwich. <laughs> Hopefully lessons have been learned. <laughs> okay. Um, first thing, I'm going to discuss a lot of the, kind of the transfer talk in, in the last week or so. Also going to talk a wee bit about Ten Hag, and then some of the players that are that are that will be leaving this this week also. And um, so, first order of business is is the thumbnail, uh, which is Jurian Timber, um, who's been linked heavily uh, to United. Um, uh, he's a very young centre half. Um, Ten Hag, uh, you know, going by his interviews, rates him really, really highly. Um, I would say. The only the only drawback to Timber is that he's he's five foot ten, um, and obviously you would probably prefer a really tall centre back in the Premier League. But just coming out today, also from Mike McGrath in the Daily Telegraph, he says United have now added the Ajax's other centre half, Lissandro Martinez, to the list, and he is five foot nine. I mean, there's no way that he's going to be playing in the Premier League at centre half at that height. At that height, you know, it's just. I just couldn't see it. Like the money, decent fee there, uh, rumored to be thirty million euros for Martinez. But I, I mean, five foot ten is small enough. But five foot nine—I I don't think I've ever seen a centre back in the Premier League that height of you. <laughs> right. Well, let's start with Timber. Timber, I do think would be a very good signing. Um, I wouldn't expect him to come and start a centre back for us uh, straight away. He is quite a versatile player as well. He can play right back and as a DM. Um, he's only 20 years old. He's still developing body-wise as well. And, you know, the physicality of, of our league is a totally different kettle of fish uh, to the Dutch league. So if he were to come in, I would expect him to start off as a right back for us, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of strategy and long-term vision, that's the kind of signing that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the Martinez one, I did hear that today. Uh, and I just think we're just being linked to everyone, Ix, aren't we? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. But uh, you know, Mike McGrath does have you know a history of, of getting things right, so it, it's an intriguing link. Um, I just don't think that a five foot nine and a half would be suited to to the Premier League. But yeah, Timber, who's obviously slightly bigger, um, I could see him playing it right back initially, and then being moved across to to centre back in, in the long term. Um, yeah. So, do you think um, 
if we do sign Timber, that we we won't sign a, a, another centre half in this window. Is that the way you see it? Uh, in this window, there's so much to do that I'm not really sure how it's going to play out. I, in an ideal world, yeah, we would have two coming in, but you know, there's so much to do that I'm not sure. Uh, Ten Hag may feel that he can work with what we have for for one season, or at least till Jan or something. I don't know. I suppose throughout the season, Timber might alternate between right back and, and centre back, given yeah, taking the kind of what the needs might be on a particular day. Um, because I just we've talked about it many times. I don't think Dalo and Juan Bissaka really are the the long term future uh, at right back. Um, both of them had a, have a lot of deficiencies. Um, probably go with Dalo if we have to in, in the short term. But ideally, I'd want you know to sign a right right back in the summer. And maybe signing Timber will kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and yeah, like you say, we know that Wambisaka and Dalo aren't good enough. I can only see one of them going out though. Um, probably likely to be Wambisaka if you ask me right now. Um, but I guess it depends on interest as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems as if uh, Crystal Palace are interested in uh, on Wambisaka. I'm sure they'd be looking for either a loan or a cut price dealer. Um, yeah. I have no idea why they would be interested in taking him back given the form that he's been in <laughs> in the last year or so. I mean, um, I'll tell you what, I mean, they've got Joel Ward, haven't they? So for them, I suppose, technically, it's an upgrade. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and it's familiar surroundings with him, so maybe Vieira will feel that he can coach him in a particular way. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have any issues if he were to leave. I just hope that if it is a loan, it's with an obligation to buy. Absolutely. Uh, they took back uh, Wilfred Zaha, so they've got history for taking back players at the facility United that didn't yeah. work out. <laughs> um, yeah, so Timber, would you, see, would you say that he's more likely than, than Martinez? Is that... I, yeah, I think, so. I, I think I think Timber is probably more likely than Martinez. The Martinez thing, I'd I'd give it a bit more time and see how it all plays out. I just think at this moment in time, all the reporters are finding UIX players for us to be linked with all yeah, the time. And, and another one of those is Anthony, uh, the Brazilian winger. Um, that would I my personal preference would be to give him another year at Ajax because the Memphis Depay signing kind of haunts me still. You know, mm. you don't you don't want to go a year too early uh, with these young wingers. Maybe it's best that he gets he gains a bit more experience first. Then again, he could be snapped up by someone like someone like Bayern Munich if we if we're caught napping and, and don't sign him this summer. <laughs> what do you yeah. think? Yeah, this that's exactly it, Carl. That's the problem, isn't it? If we wait around, then there's a chance that we could miss out, and then you know. In two, three years' time, if we are linked with him, we're talking triple the fee it would cost now. So that's the trouble. So if you can get him now and at a decent price, I say do it. Yeah, and Baron are, are seem to be already signing three IX <laughs> players. It's like buy one, get one free. Yeah. Um, um, and also, I think there's going to be a domino effect as well, isn't there? Depending on how everything plays out in the league. Um, I know that Rafinha has a relegation release clause if Leeds go down. Yeah, absolutely. Although I think Barca are very keen on him. Yeah, um, yeah, Barca are keen on him. And if he goes there, then where does Usman Dembele go? So you know, all these moves, it just it will have a trickle down effect on everyone. Yeah, I think so. And, and Lewandowski is going to go to the new camp, it seems as well, um, which probably will force them to to sell someone to kind of to 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 break even, and um, because obviously they've got a one point two billion pounds worth of debt there. Um, and that brings me on nicely to Frankie de Jong, who's been heavily linked with United. Uh, according to reports, Ten Hag is 
ringing him up every day, trying to persuade him to come to the club. But uh, <coughs> De Jong, firstly, he wants to stay at Barcelona. And if he does leave, he wants to play Champions League football. That's what we're being told. Does that kind of concern you a little, that he's not overly keen in coming to Manchester? I mean, it makes sense, to be honest. When I first heard the reports last week, I thought to myself, you know, if he were to leave at 25, like probably Man City and Bayern would be the ideal destination for him at the moment with where he is in his footballing career. Whereas with us, we're very much at the start of another rebuild. And, you know, it's going to take two, three years for whatever it is that we've got going on. And do we really need to add pressure by bringing in a player like a De Jong who would cost 70, 80 million and be on big wages? And there was a part of me that was concerned that it could be another Pogba type situation. Yeah, I suppose the only difference is here um, that De Jong does have a strong relationship with Ten Hag and they've worked together. So, he, I mean, and, and the only reason why you'd become Dean at this point is because of the manager. Yeah, it, it, I wouldn't liken it to the Di Maria or Sanchez situations where there's somebody just coming for the cash. He would be coming to play for a manager that he that he has a good relationship with. Yeah, that that was definitely yeah that would definitely be the pros of the deal. The fact that he knows the manager inside out. Um, you know, and he could be a big part in the way in which we want to play. And obviously having Donny there as well, uh, that might solve a few problems. But yeah, like you say, I just don't want us to dilly-dally. So if there is interest, it's not the worst signing in the world, not by any means. Um, you know, especially if Ten Hag really wants him, uh, bring him in. But if it's going to drag on all summer, I'd rather just, you know, move on to other other targets. Um, yeah, I think because we've been through so much as United fans, uh, I just have flashbacks to certain things. Like, you know, if it drags on, I'm already thinking in my head, I don't want another summer like when we chased Cesc Fabregas, <laughs> only to end up with Fellaini. <laughs> yeah, we've been linked with everyone that summer. It was it Ronaldo and Bale and Fabregas? And, and then it was, it was Fellaini and Cruz and Thiago. It was crazy. Yeah, and then at the end we were we were offered twenty seven million for Beans and Fellaini, and ended up on deadline day just doing the twenty seven million for Fellaini. So, yeah, but thankfully Ed Woodward here is gone, and yes, hopefully we'll see some improvements. It seems as if uh, John Murta is going to be you know leading the this transfer window for Manchester United. Uh, do you very much see that as a, a step as a step forward? Well. I, I think so. With John, I mean, we have to look at what he did in the youth uh, academy. And a lot of those young players that were brought in that people are looking at and paying attention to now, it's down to John. Uh, the likes of Hannibal and Fernandez and Gerardo and loads of these young players. Um, and so far, he's not put a step wrong, but we need time to assess him properly, you know. Um, the one good thing is that it seems as though there are changes happening at all levels throughout the club. So we just have to give it time and see how it works out. Yeah, definitely. Um, we want to see football people make football decisions, and and that and this seems to be kind of a move uh, in that in that direction. Um, with Matt Judge and Edward we departing, um, Matt Judge hasn't been directly replaced, um, and uh, obviously. Arnold has replaced Woodward and he seems to be given more responsibility to kind of the football side of the club and kind of taking more of a back seat. And, and it does make you wonder, why didn't they come to this epiphany like eight years ago? <laughs> exactly, yeah. But better late than never, as they say. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so my feelings on the, the, the De Jong situation is that, yeah, I, I, I won't be too harsh on him for not wanting to come to United initially because, like you say, we are 
in, in a situation where we're at the beginning of, of a rebuild. And, uh, you know, if we want to sign the top players, when we're in the Europa League or the Conference League, they do. They will take. They will need some persuading. You know, um. So as long as he's coming for the right reasons and not just for the money, and we have mentioned the fact that he will be coming probably purely for the coach, then I don't think this is like the signings of the past. You know, so yeah, I won't judge him too harshly for not for not wanting to come to United. You know, initially. So if he comes, yeah, I'll be like, I'll be delighted to see him arrive at Old Trafford and be a significant improvement on our current options in midfield. Oh, massively. And that's the thing. That's the key to it. If he wants to come and he believes in the project that Eric is uh, trying to sell to him, then by all means, come. Because, you know, that is going to take us to another level. But I'm just, you know, a bit bit cautious. Um, and also what I liken it to is, you remember a couple of years ago with what Klopp was doing with Liverpool when I would say the 2017 Champions League final where, you know, they were on the cusp of greatness and we could all look at that squad and identify one or two key areas where they were deficient. And then comes in Fabinho, Van Dijk and... Uh, Alisson. Yeah. Alisson, yeah. And that made the difference. And I look at De Jong and I think, wow, if we were a little bit further along in our rebuild, then maybe he's the piece to come in. But currently, I don't know. Because it's it's a big outlay. I don't know how much the transfer budget will be, but I can't imagine it being too much higher than about 120 to 150 million. Uh, maybe a bit of leeway depending on sales too. Um, and if we are 70, 80 million down and we still don't have a DM, <laughs> uh, it's a bit crazy to me on paper. <laughs> well, if Leeds go down this weekend, we might be able to get Calvin Phillips on the cheap to, to go along with De Young. Would you be happy with that midfield pair? I would be very happy with that. Uh, the only thing is, I know Calvin is Leeds through and through. <laughs> so, I mean, I know we have history as well, and people will point at Alan Smith, but I don't know. I don't know if uh, if Calvin is willing to take that same route. And it was exactly the same situation. Leeds got relegated. Yeah. Uh, Alan Smith previously said he would never, ever play for Manchester United. And then he done exactly that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think th uh, the difference this time around, though, is that I think there will be a fair few teams interested in Calvin Phillips. Yeah, I would imagine. Especially at a cut price, you know. Yeah. Um, so speaking of DMs, um, we've been... Steve Bates and the Sunny people linked us with a move for uh, Conte from Chelsea. Um Apparently, Ten Hag wants to to bring him in and 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 kind of build the team around him. Um, at thirty one years old, um, I don't think that would be such a good idea. I mean, we, we signed Madic at the end of his career from Chelsea for forty million pounds at twenty nine. Did they then sign a, a thirty one year old midfielder from Chelsea? Would we again feel like we're taking their their castoffs? Now I know he's been a terrific midfielder. He's won the Premier League for two different clubs. He's won the World Cup, and he's he's still an amazing player. But you've got to admit that he, he hasn't got many years left at the top, I wouldn't have thought. Absolutely. I was a bit surprised when this story broke, actually. It didn't make sense to me. Obviously, we know he's a wonderful player. He's got the track record to back it up. Um, it's like he's got three lungs at times. Um, even at 31, he's better than anything that we have. That's not in question. But, yeah, you have to look at the short-sightedness of the deal if it were to happen. Um, in hindsight, even when we signed Matic on paper, I was quite annoyed because we'd handed over 40 million for him. 
and they reinvested half of that money to go and get Tamui Bakayoko. Uh, it didn't work out, but on paper at the time, you know, he was doing quite well at Monaco, and it just felt as if we were financing their rebuild. <laughs> yeah, it seems to happen quite a lot with United signed players in their early twenties or early thirties, and then for for extortionate fees, and then that club then uses the money to reinvest and buy a kind of a younger player about twenty one, twenty two. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, listen, with the Kante deal, if they were giving him away, then fair enough, I'd look at it. But that's not going to be the case. They're going to charge uh, uh, silly money for him, and it, it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I, th- I think we've got our fingers burned too often in buying players that are kind of in their prime or just slightly over their prime. Um, we want to be looking a bit younger than that. And, you know, that Varane deal is not looking great at the moment. It's starting to look like another Schweinsteiger deal where... Real Madrid were well aware of his injury record and decided to sell him at the right time at 28 to another club. And, you know, he's he's missed probably at least half the Premier League games this season for United. Are you slightly concerned about his injury record? Uh, yes, it is very concerning um, because I know people have looked at this upcoming window and said we need to go find an aggressive defender uh, who can play next to him and partner him. But my thing is, I'm not sure that you can partner someone who's not going to be there half the time. So, you know, it kind of opens everything up in terms of what profile of defender we're looking for. Yeah, I know. Um, I've got a feeling that, you know, Harry Maguire is still going to play for a few games next season. Uh... (laughs) So this is the other thing. Uh, Both Maguire and Varane are 29 years old. So, you know... Ideally, you'd want to move Maguire on if at all possible, because otherwise you're going to be in a situation where both of them need replacing around the same time. Yeah, if, if Maguire doesn't significantly improve this this season, I think he'll then be moved on next summer. If he produces another season like last or this season, if you want to call it that, um, he, he'll have to be moved on. But I think this summer it'll be changing <laughs> back by he'll be moved on. Uh, that's the way I see it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that would still, yeah, that would leave us with three, wouldn't it? And then possibly Mengi is the fourth. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll probably sign one and then, you know, let go of two and then it'll leave us with four. If Maguire stays, do you think he keeps the armband? I hope that I hope he doesn't, but we've no idea at this point mm. what Ten Hag's decision is going to be with regarding the captaincy. Maybe just to get the fans on side, he might just take it off him or. He could potentially have a, a. He could potentially lose the player if he does that too. So it'll be interesting to see what he does and with the captaincy. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, it's. Let's just imagine that we only make three signings, and I know we're like, oh no, 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 we need to make four or five. <laughs> but if we made three signings and it was Timber, De Jong, and Darwin Nunes, would you see that as a, a really good summer? What would you rate that out of ten? with the amount of work we have to do I'm not sure if it's enough but I mean it would be a step in the right direction most definitely yeah Uh, yeah. because Timber would come in who would be able to play right back and centre back and potentially fill in as a DM Um, James Garner I would expect to come back well that's an interesting one actually because um, depending on if Nottingham Forest get promoted or not I would like to see him stay if he comes up to the Prem. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think Timber 
De Jong and Nunes would be really yeah. good progress. But obviously, you know, I feel we need another midfielder. We need a right back. Yeah. Um, potentially a right winger as well. So Yeah, it's that spying, isn't it? You just want to, yeah. The yeah, full backs aren't up to task. Yeah, I think we need to start with the spine. That's why yeah. I was kind of going with those three players because that, that would significantly improve the, the spine of the team this summer. And then yeah. after that, we could start looking at the fullbacks and the the right winger and, and stuff like that, left back obviously as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, that would be a, be a brilliant start. And if we could sign those players with the transfer kitty and then potentially a fourth uh, after we've made some seals, then that would be really good business. But uh, there's a lot of ifs and buts there. Um, we'll wait and see how it transpires. Um, so who else do you think we could possibly sign this summer. Um, there's lots and lots of na- names being linked, but realistically, who do you think we could get? You know that that, that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, so funny enough, seeing as we've been linked to all of the ex players and all the Dutch players, uh, one that does intrigue me is Delit at Juve. He's not had the best of times there. Uh, he's still only 22 years old. He has leadership experience as well. He was the captain when he was at Ajax. Um, depending on how one or two things work out, if he becomes available, I think that's one that we should look at. Mm, just that, you know, Juve you, have recently let go of Christian Romero. Um, Chiellini is going to retire. Um, and we've heard from Fabrizio Romano that they're going to offer Delict a new contract. So it doesn't mm. seem likely this summer, even with us having Ten Hag. Um, and I think he has a, a a very reasonable buyer clause as well. It just it doesn't seem like that's on the cards at the moment. L- last week it did seem like a possibility, but <laughs> this week it doesn't. <laughs> also, the one thing I'd really like us to do, uh, a bit of wishful thinking, but there's a lot of free agents uh, available mm-hmm. knocking about this summer. And if we do our due diligence, there could be a few bargains in there. Um, I know AC Milan's have got centre-back uh, Roman Yoli. He, his contract is up. He's 27 years old. He's very experienced. Uh, Babaka Kamara still hasn't signed on. I think he's close to signing for Atletico, but hasn't as of yet. Um, uh, Andre Bellotti is available. There's a fair few signings out there. Usman Dembele even. He hasn't signed on at Barca. Um, and, you know, if, depending on what happens, if they get Rafina, Dembele could be up for grabs. Maybe that's an alternative to uh, Anthony. Uh, yeah, I think Kamara is definitely uh, a free signing that that I would be interested in. Um, I know, and, and in a, a window where we need to 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 sign as many players as possible, but only there's only a limited budget available. We we do need to pick up a, a wee free transfer somewhere. On... Yeah, and with Kamara, uh, age wise as well, he's about twenty two, I think. Uh, also quite versatile. He can fill in at centre back as well as DM. And central midfield, so you know. Yeah, we were linked to him in January, but there hasn't really been much talk of it since. If it did happen, it would it would come completely out of the blue, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, not really sure um, if we're interested in him at all. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm sure there are players on the transfer list um, that the media haven't got wind of yet. I'm sure there are a few surprises in store. Um, yeah, you mentioned James Garner there. Yeah, if Forrest beat Huddersfield in the, the playoff final and get promoted, 
there is that possibility that he could then go on loan for another season and get Premier League experience. But what if Tim Hag takes him on the tour to Australia and the Far East and decides, no, I really like this guy. Actually, he's going to be part of my team next season. If he's impressed with him enough over the pre-season tour, then by all means, it's it's great. But I just think, you know, for a player that age, he's already settled at that club. For him, it will be invaluable experience for him to just be a starter in a Premier League team uh, consistently. Yeah, I mean, if he stays at United, he'd probably start in the cup games. And mm. for us, he'd play a 38 Premier League game. So that would probably... Obviously, it would frustrate a lot of the fans who want to see Garner be part of the United team next season, but it would be better for him as an individual to be at Forest next season. Exactly. And the thing is, it could benefit us long term as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, the Premier League is a different level to the Championship. He'd definitely be moving up in class and and gaining. And I I know it's wild, but just for example, look at what Conor Gallagher's done at Crystal Palace. You know, had he stayed at Chelsea with the midfielders they have, would he have really. Had much of a shout this season? Mm, don't know. Uh, so there's a common comment here. Hey guys, isn't it mad that United haven't played a game in like four months? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Matt Smith. And Matt Smith also says, also says United have a lot of holes next season. There would be places for the youth to come through. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I could see the likes of Garner and Ethan Lurd and a few others maybe filling in a few gaps um, because we, we're going to, there's a lot of players leaving obviously and um, we're only going to be able to sign four or five at the most. Um, so yeah, I think, the, and of course we have like a Dutch manager at the club. I mean, it, it couldn't be a better time for a young player to break through into the first team because as we know, Dutch managers love to blood young players and they don't care what age you are. They throw you straight in with. We, we Absolutely, seem to... especially the fact that we're getting somebody from Ajax as well, whose ethos is that is promoting youth and working and developing players. Yeah, and we've seen. I mean, how many debuts was there under Louis Van Gaal at Manchester United? It was just off the scale, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The likes of Paddy McNair, Tyler Blackett. There was so many kids that got a chance. Varela, um, yeah. There was obviously Rashford. Yeah, um, yeah. There was and Timothy Fosu Mensa, um, yeah, and there was um, I think it might be what do you call it? the Donald Love? Do you remember him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was so many of them. I think it was a lot of it was to do with the injury crisis as well at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you still have to have a you know certain amount of confidence to just pick one of the kids out and give them that run out. So yeah, credit to him. Yeah, because Martial pulled up in the warm-up against FC Micheland and then Rashford was given his debut. I yeah. would say a lot of coaches there would have just played a more senior player as a false nine in that situation rather than bringing... Yeah, they would have played quite conservative and quite safe, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Matt Smith says uh, Donny finally fit for the last two games of the season. Um, interesting. Um, we haven't seen Donny play for play for Everton for a while um, obviously it doesn't really mean anything to us if he scores for Everton but it would be nice to see from 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 his point of view from to get some game time there and definitely he's going to get an opportunity now isn't he I mean that's absolute cert isn't it well you'd think so <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't get games under this regime then you know then there's something seriously wrong um, and as for the next two games and him scoring I think Matt would be on the lookout for that with where Everton are at the moment 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Everton, I think, despite the, the, the defeat in the last game, I think things are looking okay for them because they've got two games. Burnley have got two games and Leeds have only got one. And yeah, and Leeds are away to Brentford. Uh, I think Leeds, for me, would be the favourites to go down at the moment. Is that the way you would see it? Yeah, I mean, I think Everton are all right, to be honest. I know it's quite nerve-wracking at the moment, but and anything can happen. But, you know, I think other results will mean that they are safe. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of chat among the kind of fan channels at the moment about Pogba's next destination. Now, I have to be honest. Um, I I don't. I just don't care. If Pogba, if Pogba, <laughs> if Pogba decided to retire and become a painter and decorator, it would mean... <laughs> It doesn't matter to me. Um, I mean, he's he's basically he, he's checked out a long time ago. I've checked out from him. Um, he's no longer a United player in my eyes. He's played his last game for the club. So where he goes is just totally relevant to me. I mean, do you, is that the way you see it too? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I've just drawn a lo- uh, drawn a line under the whole thing. Um, you know, obviously I wish him well in wherever he ends up, but I'm not too invested in where he goes. If I'm totally honest. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of time invested by United fans on on social media and on YouTube. I think what it is, uh, especially in this day and age, you know, we have a lot of uh, fans who get behind certain players and, you know, the the, the rise of player FC, as they call it, where, you know, you're in one camp or the other. And I don't really understand it because ultimately, like, all these players that you're pitting against each other play for our club. So I don't. (laughs) <laughs> really see why you have to choose one over the other. I mean, yeah, with with any player that leaves our club, you know, I wish them well, but I'm not too fussed about where they go. Same with Lingard. Yeah, just not even, not remotely interested in where yeah. Lingard is going. And I know there was a lot of fuss uh, regarding Lingard uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think after his brother posted uh, a message about him not having a farewell and stuff. I mean, listen, we've had loads of players at our club who should have been treated better and didn't get send-offs. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, uh, we, we talked about that and, I mean, all you need to say is that where was Roy Keane's send-off? Uh, so, for Lingard to think that he's entitled to a send-off really just sums up the mentality of the dressing room at the moment. They're just so self-entitled. I mean, to be honest, I do have to say it wasn't him, it was his brother. So, you know, sometimes you can't help family members when they, when they get emotional and post. Uh, but yeah, I do think it's just, yeah, it's all fallen on him, hasn't it? Um, I mean, if it wasn't for one or two things, uh, unforeseen circumstances in January, I think he would have been out the door in Jan. Um, but then, you know, due to that happening, I think we held on to him. He should have been sold in the summer. Um, exactly. But... We would have, uh, yeah, we would have actually got some money for him as well. But, you know, that old regime were just completely incompetent, just Balancing the books didn't mean anything to them. Yeah, so indecisive. And Solskjaer seemed, seemed as if he wanted to keep as big a squad as possible, you know, to have a safety net if there was an injury crisis. But then he just, he just ended up with a whole bunch of unhappy players who weren't playing. And that probably added to the, the situation we've seen all season with a, a very toxic dressing room. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, it's kind of crazy, actually, because obviously he played under Fergie, who was accustomed to working with bigger squads. But the key to working with a bigger squad is rotation and keeping yeah. everyone happy, ha- keeping that balance. With Oli, he just kept the same team and didn't really integrate the subs or anyone else into it. So, of, of course, there was going to be discontent. Yeah, I can name the Oli 11 right now. It's, it's, it's imprinted in my head. 
is the guy Juan Bissaka, Maguire, uh, Lindelof, Shaw, McTominay, Fred, Fernandez, Rashford, um, Cavani, and the uh, Martial. So it's just or or even or Greenwood instead of uh, Cavani. It is just it was near enough the same kind of thirteen players that are being used all the time, wasn't it? Pretty much. Oh, and talking <laughs> of Martial, for uh, he's picked up his third injury whilst on loan at Sevilla. Yeah, um, there's another player, FC individual. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if he go, he's gone out on loan to Sevilla. They don't seem to really want him. They're not really keen on keeping him on a on a permanent basis. I mean, where does he go from here? Oh, we're stuck with him, aren't we? <laughs> I don't want him <laughs> there stinking out the place. You know, um, another unhappy player sitting around. He's not playing. You just have to kind of form him out to somewhere. To, because we just can't have we can't have him sitting around. <laughs> He's you know. going into the last year of his contract as well, so this is our last chance to sell him. But you know, it depends on the price, I guess. Like you know, he's picked up three injuries in this uh, loan spell since Jan. He's not scored a goal in La Liga, um, so you know, who who's going to be interested? And if they are interested, what kind of figure are they willing to pay? Yeah, his stock is now at an all time low. Mm. It's just difficult to know. Who would be interested? But uh, you never know. So Matt Smith says Pogba is a joke, and if someone else picks him up, then they are stupid. Now watch him sign for Everton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be someone like Juve or PSG, I think. But like I said, I don't really care. Um, yeah. So what do you think about the Dean Henderson situation? Do you think I I do not want to see him go on loan? Either, either Ten, Ten Hag makes him number one, which is unlikely. Or we sell him for 30, 40 million. Like he's he's 24, 25. Uh, a loan deal makes no, no sense either from a footballing perspective or a financial perspective. Either <laughs> either is our first choice or he, he's sold this summer. It has to be a definitive option, choice made there. Yeah, the loan thing made no sense to me either. The only way a loan would work uh, for me is if there was an obligation to buy at the end of it. And you do the smart thing and you maybe insert a buyback clause if possible, just in case. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting one because we know that uh, some people say this is overplayed, but we know that you know a lot of the modern coaches, and Ten Hag is one of them, like to have a goalkeeper who's who's good at the distribution, good with his feet and, uh, and being the man who starts the attacks. And we know De Gea... Is a bit suspect when it comes to the ball at his feet, but as he's just the most amazing shot stopper that we've ever seen, probably in the Premier League. Do you think that'll be enough for Ten Hag to kind of ignore his deficiencies in terms of distribution? I think at this moment in time, we have to just wait and see how he sets up the team. Um, I think in the long run, it may be an issue. But at the moment, there's so many other fires to put out that I'm not even thinking about that. <laughs> um, the only other thing I will say with De Gea is that obviously he's on a massive, massive contract. When it comes time for renewal, I'm not sure we should be renewing or certainly not at the wages he's currently earning. Yeah, I don't think you can possibly pay him any more than he's getting right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah. What happens if Ten Hag decides that I like Dean Henderson? You know, he, he tried to sign him on loan in January and he, he decides to go with him as number one. And we've got a very unhappy De Gea there who we can't get rid of because of his wages. 
could because of that, could Ten Hag then be forced into playing De Gea? It wouldn't be unusual for that type of thing to happen at United. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because if he chooses Dean over Dave, I don't think De Gea is going to be on the bench. I think you'd have to ship him out. Yeah. It would be a situation similar to... Um, do you remember when we loaned out Bartes? Yeah. It would be like that when Tim Howard and Roy Carroll were the guys and Bartes just got loaned out. I think it would be similar to that. But then you look around Europe and who who urgently is in need of a keeper? All the top teams have settled goalkeepers. Yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be like the... It has been like the the Petr Cech and a Thibaut Courtois situation. Um, yeah. I, th- I think Cech sat it out for one season as the number two and then he moved on. Now, like we've kind of dragged this on too long already. There has to be a decision made this summer on which one's going to be number one and which one's going to be sold. For me, out of the two, I, I think De Gea is the superior keeper. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and a candidate for the captaincy, do you think? Most definitely, uh, especially in, well, currently. We'll have to see, obviously, who comes in and stuff. But for me, always, it comes down to seniority and who's been there the longest. Um Obviously, Ronaldo's a shout too, and I know people have mentioned him. Uh, for me, you get the same out of Ronaldo with or without the armband. So it makes no difference. He's a leader, just naturally. So yeah. he, he'll, do, he'll do what he does. Uh, I think De Gea, yeah, he's been there. Uh, you know, there is a senior in hierarchy in the, in, the, in the dressing room. I think he'll be well respected by everyone. And also, I think there's, a, there's an emphasis on, you know, who's the loudest. I don't think your captain necessarily has to scream and shout to command respect yeah I think even uh, Mourinho alluded to that he called Valencia the silent captain uh, didn't think that it was necessary to be you know, screaming at everybody all the time because uh, mm. he's he seen that he's seen as leading by example was just as important as you know you know, talking to players so it's, it'll be an interesting one it, it's obviously between you know Ronaldo Bruno and, and De Gea uh, if Maguire is stripped I don't see anyone else really coming into the equation yeah. the, the way the way that David's um, spoken to the media as well I've been impressed with yeah that that, that interview after the Everton game definitely impressed me uh, one thing it showed was that you know a lot of the United players have been accused of not carrying this season and uh, and I think that's true but you could you couldn't accuse him of that. He definitely seems annoyed with how United have been playing this season. It's definitely affected him, um, and you can see how emotional he is in, in his interviews. And he's been quite blunt in those interviews as well, hasn't he? Absolutely. I mean, it's easy to forget as well because he's not that old. Because uh, he came here so young, he's been there for a decade. Yeah, and 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 he was part of our last title winning winning side. So it yeah. shows you how long that he's been here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he signed, I mean, uh, David Gill was the chief executive and Fergie was the manager. How long ago does that feel from a fan's point of view? <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember when we first got him, actually. I was a bit gutted that we didn't go for Manuel Nua. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked quality uh, at Schalke. And I thought, oh, this kid, he's a bit on the skinny side. He's like, the shirt, would, the sh- the, the shirt wouldn't even fit him. It would like sort of hang off him when he first arrived. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, yeah. Uh, Fergie said in his autobiography that his choice was Manuel Noor, but Eric Steele, the goalkeeping coach, said this fella de Gea is going to be the best keeper in the world someday. And you got to say that Eric was was right about that. Absolutely. There was, yeah, there was, was it the 16-17 season? He was unbelievable. Um, he had that amazing game against Arsenal as well, where they chucked everything at him. And he was just like <laughs> Superman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, at the end. Which is watch. Yeah, I was just watching it disbelief. It was like, wow. <laughs> Isn't that when uh, Lingard, Asi Young, and Pogba were, were dancing uh, on the pitch? I think we were wearing or, black. Or Ling- well, Lingard's uh, managed to dance for a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there, wasn't there a game against Spurs at Wembley? I think we won 1 0 with a Rashford goal. It was a, a diagonal ball from Pogba to Rashford. He put it in the four corner past Lloris. But I think the game must have made about 20 saves in that game as well. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, totally no, what, what an amazing servant he's been. What an amazing signing he's been. Even with the dip for a, two or three years that, you know, to have that character to come back as well, it's just amazing. Yeah, and every goalkeeper goes through a dip, don't they? No matter who they are. Even even Schmeichel uh, had a dip at United at one point. I think Fergie sent him off to Dubai to kind of shake it off and then come back again for the running. Um, so... I just want to finally talk about the the Crystal Palace game. I know it's it's very strange that um, like football, the football game itself, it's all almost become kind of you know in the background now. You know, it's the focus is on next season, the new manager who's coming in, who's leaving, and we're not even talking about the actual games anymore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Even though there's still a season ongoing, so. With regards to the Palace game, it's probably going to be, if you're not actually going to Selhurst, it's going to be hard to watch this because it's one of the kind of few meaningless games. There's going, there's a title race on, there's a top four race on, there's a relegation battle. Obviously, we're in the the battle for the Europa League with uh, West Ham, but that's kind of fourth on the list. I don't think our game is going to be live on, on you know UK TV anyway. So it will have, everybody will have to find a stream if they haven't got a ticket. Um, but with the gorge to the lineup, I, I'm a bit. I've become a bit tired of Ranić in recent week p- picking the same, virtually the same eleven. He, he complains about the players after a heavy defeat. Complains about their attitude and stuff, and that's fine. He don't disagree with them. And then he picks the same team again the next week. Who, who out of the players who haven't been starting lately would you like to see come into the lineup against Paulus? Oh, most definitely the kids. I'd like to see Hannibal, but I don't think he's too happy with Hannibal. I think comments have come out after the Liverpool game that he wasn't too impressed with the way he got stuck in. I think maybe that's an English thing where we get really hyped up, <laughs> uh, you know, when players show a bit of bit of grit and desire and, you know, really give it to him. Uh, but he wasn't impressed with that. He saw it as a lack of discipline. Yeah, I have to disagree with him on that. I, I know he yeah. is... Uh... You know he's been a manager in European football, and he's a top class director of football. And I'm I'm just a fan, but I just I just have to completely and utterly disagree there. Um, Same. I mean, I think we were probably the most impressed with him in those eight minutes <laughs> than anything else that anyone else did in that game. He was the only United player he put in a tackle in the whole ninety minutes. Um, okay, he would probably a wee bit over the top. He could have cut two yellow cards. But we appreciated the effort because there was a lot of players out there who, who weren't putting in the effort. And um, it's good to see the enthusiasm of a young player on the pitch. And I don't think he deserved to be punished for it. Yeah. We haven't really seen him since at all. Um, so he's probably unlikely to, to feature again under Ranić. And this is obviously the only one game left. So, for, so he'll not be too worried about that. But um, is there an opportunity here to, to give Garnacho some first-team experience? Okay, we're yep. not expecting him to become part of the first 11 next season but is it a, is it an opportunity to give him his debut here it would be lovely for him to start um you remember a couple of years ago uh, when josh harrop 
made his one and only appearance and scored a goal at Old Trafford. <laughs> it was really nice to see. Um, yeah, I, I'm always in favour, especially on the last day of the season. I, I like to see the kids. Yeah, that's quite a record, Josh Harpez. Har- um, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's a, he's a goal per game ratio for Manchester United. Not many yeah. can say that. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent record. Uh, <laughs> okay. He made quite an impression as well that day, and it was a shame that he walked away. <laughs> a bit like uh, David Nugent for England, um, mm. one cap, one goal. You can't argue that. <laughs> or Sam Allardyce is it? Big one... Sam, yeah. <laughs> 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 one one game and one win can't be that that's can't that's be impressive. that one hundred percent record. <laughs> yeah. So, is there an opportunity for anyone else? I know Alanga's already basically become a first teamer under Ranjik. Yeah. Well, I think Ilanga's yeah. probably yeah. Like like with Oli, you know, Ralph sticks to his team as well. So I'm I'm guessing we're going to see the same thing we've been seeing. Um, and proper Jekyll and Hyde performance as well in the last two games. Obviously, absolute capitulation against Brighton. Um, but the team that he picked was based on the performance they put in at Brentford. So, you know, it's this proper Jekyll and Hyde stuff, isn't it? Yeah, we went from the the best away record ever known to man to breaking defeat records away from home. How many have we lost on the trot now away from home? Uh, it's not... It's not even just about the losses, it's the manner in which we're losing. I don't remember another season where we've just been utterly battered as much as we have this season. The goal difference says it all, really. We've conceded 56, scored 57. Yeah, a goal difference is one, which is <laughs> West, West Ham have a better goal difference than us. Yeah, which is why if we draw with Palace and they beat Brighton, they go into the Europa League on goal difference. There's yeah. no way in, in any season... That West Ham should have a better goal difference than Man United. It's it's insane. Yeah, yeah it's crazy, 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 crazy. Yeah. Um. Another thing that's annoyed me about Ranik's, you know, constantly picking the same eleven is Alex Telles. How bad does he have to be to get taken out of the team? I mean, there's no way that Alvaro Fernandez can be as bad as what he is. You know, I just just give the young lad a chance. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. Um. The only thing Telles could. The thing with Teller, he can only operate in a back five. You can use him as a wing back, and even then, you know, like it's not amazing what he does. But yeah, in a back four, it's just the yeah, edge. Everything just goes to pot, doesn't it? Yeah. <sighs> if there's any average players out there, we sign them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a joke. Yeah. 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 The only thing I can say about him, at least we didn't, you know, splash out loads, a uh, huge, huge fee on him. Yeah, it was only sixteen million or something, and it was it was offset by the seal of Chris Smalling. So we basically paid nothing for him. Yeah, in a yeah. sense. Um, yeah, but you don't want to see that one in one out policy this summer, or no. policy of we're only doing one deal at a time. That that that's complete nonsense. That, no that is absolute nonsense, is what that is. Um, and you know, and listen, look at how Man City operated. They didn't wait till the end of the season to go get Haaland. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> the, but that's what the top clubs do, City and Bayern and, 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 and the teams in Spain. They get deals done very, very early. Exactly. Um, if you're properly structured, this is the position we should be in. You know, had we been organised and run better, we should have been in the conversation for the likes of Haaland, even Mbappe as a free agent. Yeah. yeah. I suppose we have made progress in the sense that we appointed a manager in April and we've never done that. Um, yeah. 
I mean, David Moyes started on July the 1st uh, rather than buying him out of his contract at Everton. We, we wait till it ran down. Then Van Hal started after the World Cup, which is like mid-July. That's oh. insane. Um, uh, Mourinho was done at the end of May, I think. But uh, yeah, so that's definitely a sign of progress that we got We got the manager sewn up in the middle of April. Uh, I have and to say, also... It's positive signs from him as well that he understands the the job facing him. The fact that he decided to to cut short his time uh, there and come to start work early because he knows you know uh, the amount of things that need to be addressed. Yeah, um, he says he's he's done an interview with Marco van Basten for Dutch Television. Uh, it looked like he was in Manchester. I'm not quite sure where he was. Um, but he said that he was going to have a holiday at some point, but he wouldn't specify when. Um, he, he, he's, he knows the, the work is monumental that he has to do. Um, and he had no time to waste. He didn't even go to the, the Ajax kind of celebration party. He didn't go to their, their annual pre their postseason friendly. He was straight into work at United the next day after their final game. So he, he's impressed me so far, but this is kind of like the, the honeymoon period, isn't it, where he can do no wrong? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, the proof's in the pudding, as they say. So <laughs> we'll have to wait and see till we actually see it in action. Yeah, so for like you said last time, where one pain is ending and the next pain is about to begin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the transfer window always stresses me out. Yeah. Um, you know, like we have these grand dreams and desires and we end up with something totally different. But this year I am hopeful. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Um, hopefully it will be one or two of those young players as well that Ten Hag is a fan of. And yeah, we'll get the ball rolling. Um, I just hope that people are patient with him, you know, because this is going to take time. There are no quick fixes. Definitely. Unless he does a Ranieri, this is going to take a few years to get us back to the top again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and how often does that happen? Once every 20-odd years? <laughs> <laughs> Probably more. Uh, mm. Once in a lifetime. Um, okay. Well, I think we'll leave it there for, for this week. Um, everyone, please leave us a wee like on the video and hit that subscribe button. Um, and if, you, if you haven't got time to watch us on YouTube, though, um, our podcast is also available on Apple and Spotify, Podbean and Google Podcasts and, and all the main kind of audio providers. Okay. Um, Till next time, Brush. Take care. Okay, see you later.